If you'd like to listen to Radio Free Brooklyn when you're not in front of your computer, please consider downloading our free mobile app available in the App Store for iPhone or the Google Play Store for Android. Hi, it's Laura Murley, and you're listening to Radio Free Brooklyn. And it's time to get lost and My name is Alon Danziger. And I'm Will Hasty on Thursday. And I'm Rachel Teichman on this fine ass Thursday. <laughs> we do this every week on Radio Free Brooklyn uh, as a means to listen back to old sounds from the yesteryears as opposed to the new sounds from the yesteryears. But they're new to you. And the fact is that we are able to listen back to our sounds with objective ears and hopefully connect the dots between then and now in a way to sort of learn about who we used to be. And uh, if you uh, have sounds like that, by all means, uh, you should reach out to our show and chat with Will and Rachel and I. Uh, Lost and Rewound at RadioFreeBrooklyn.org. Um, and it's been a, a real privilege to be able to do this show uh, through the virtual means, through our homes. We've been creative in the past, and so we should be creative again. I know that last year was the first time, I think, you uh, all of us had uh, gotten a chance to share some of our writings, and uh, we're going to continue that for this special Valentine's Day edition. I'm honestly really looking forward to it, Elon. Are you? You're not like even just a little bit trepidatious? I mean, of course I'm trepidatious. I am fucking freaking out. How many times have you made fun of me for something totally ridiculous on this show? I'm, it happens I'm, every week. I know. We have a guest, um, this week's special <laughs> guest, who is joining us kindly uh, from her, the comfort of her home, is Laura Murley. She is a New York City-based writer, actor, stand-up comedian, originally from Dirty Jews. She's written for McSweeney's, The Hard Times, Reductress, and uh, has performed at the Cinder Block Comedy Festival, as well as the Rogue Island Comedy Festival. Her latest offering to the world is sketch comedy duo Soul Crush with super funny videos that can be found on YouTube and Instagram. Let's take a quick listen. Ah! Oh, 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 I cut my finger. Laura, I got this. Listen to everything I say. Okay. Apply pressure. It's bleeding profusely. We gotta do everything we can do to make sure you don't lose that finger. What? Okay, we've got clearance. Flush out the wound with a steady stream of liquid H2O. Sick. Dehydrate the area with a sterile cloth. Oh, it stinks. I need to assess the laceration. Okay, we're gonna need a sterile adhesive with a soft cotton pad in the center. Like a band-aid? 
That'll work. Laura, welcome to Lost and Rewound. Thank you for having me. Telemedicine has a rather auspicious rollout, considering uh, that we don't see our therapists, we don't see our doctors anymore. We only have to Zoom with them to get our our uh, fix of uh, it's expert advice. Uh, has that happened to you then? Uh, or was that something that happened to Marissa? What was the inspiration for that? Um, the inspiration was mostly, so Marissa wrote the sketch. We, I write some of Soul Crush's sketches. She writes some of Soul Crush's sketches. Once in a while we write together, wild concept. Um, but she had literally been watching a lot of Greg's anatomy. Oh God, I always say Greg's anatomy. It's oh my God, that's so great. I mean, Greg's Anatomy is the best old show never made, but I'm sorry. <laughs> Perfect. So before I learned better, I really thought it was called Greg's Anatomy and it was about someone named Greg who was a doctor. And I've since been corrected about this a few times that it's actually called Gray's Anatomy and that's the name of a medical textbook that really exists. Um, but like I've still never seen that calling show. Calling spaghetti paschetti. Like that's the, <laughs> like, on the same level. <laughs> I always say like this is going to be the last time I say Greg's anatomy and then when it it the show doesn't come up that often and then it comes up and I forget but um Marissa <laughs> loves that show and she'd been re-watching it all through quarantine so she thought it'd be funny the whole premise is that she has been watching this show all through quarantine so we're on a zoom call in the video and I'm making dinner and being kind of condescending about her watching Grey's Anatomy. And then I accidentally cut my finger and she's able to jump into action and use her Grey's Anatomy medical training to help save the day. Have you ever been in a position where you've had to save a friend in a need of some uh, uh, immediate injury or something of the sort? Saving, you know, you would think that I would have since I was very briefly an EMT, but I've never actually saved anyone before, I don't think. Wait, um, when were you an EMT and where were you an EMT and where'd you get your cert? I was an EMT in New Jersey, but the New Jersey training program is one of the longest in the nation. How, how long and is it in New York State, it's six months. How long is it in New Jersey? Something about that. I don't remember exactly, but it's something in that ballpark. And I was planning on doing it on a part-time volunteer basis because my local uh, EMS stuff was all volunteer. It wasn't pro. And um, by the time I got through, I had actually gotten into grad school, which I wasn't expecting to go in the beginning. So I only served for a very brief amount of time. And my first call was like a DOA, which is what they call dead on arrival. So like that really wasn't saving anybody there, but it was an elderly person. So still sad, but I think it was her time, mm. if I can say that. <laughs> How involved were you in comedy, even from a, just a, a um, recreational standpoint when this certification slash grad school uh, acceptance was happening? Zero. <laughs> Zero. You got into comedy late. I did. Yeah. I, I didn't, I got into comedy because I moved to Boston for a job after grad school and I didn't know anyone in Boston and it was, it's really awkward to make friends as an adult. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I just kind of was like trying a few awkward things. I did meet up and I was just really awkward in groups of people I met on the internet for a little bit. And then also just tried like looking cool at coffee shops which obviously didn't help either that sometimes works 
It has never once worked for me. (laughs) I've met some very interesting people through doing that at coffee shops, but I have to say I was never trying to look cool. And oftentimes they're just people who are in the same situation, like, love me. (laughs) Yeah, I always say to people that I never thought I would do improv, which is what was my gateway into the comedy community. But at a certain point, um, I stopped being so scared that improv was just going to be like paying to embarrass myself and started saying like, well, you know, people who I knew, like friends from home said they took classes and they met all these people. Like, what am I doing? I'm not meeting anyone anywhere else. So I might as well try. And if I hate it, I can just leave and never come back. That kind of opened up the floodgates. I ended up really loving it. And then I was like, you know what I would love even more if I wrote stuff down before I got on stage oh yeah (laughs) see that scares me like I love improv but stand-up like that scares the shit out of me like I've had a bunch of opportunities just get up there and do it but like I don't know the first thing about doing that and I can't memorize anything with improv I'm just making it up as I go along and there's nothing to memorize yeah it definitely is a bit harder, I would say, to just get started doing stand-up. But what's cool about it is when you find stuff that works, you can do that over and over and over again. So people are always surprised when they start getting into stand-up just how often stand-ups repeat the same jokes. Yeah, There are some people who have been telling the same have some jokes that have been in their repertoire for like 10 years. Yeah, Ever. Did I read correctly, though, that there in your family uh, lies some performing arts history. Your uh, grandparents were involved in the circus? No. So my mom's side, um, they ran a carnival, but carnivals are not like circus. Like, it's not like they were in a tent performing, doing flips. Like, they were basically packaging games and rides and like Ferris wheel and uh, like, you know, merry-go-round and like throw the dart at the balloons and driving them to different church and like Lions Club parking lots around New York and New Jersey. So yeah, my grandma wasn't doing flips. (laughs) But they were carnies. They were professional carnies. That's amazing. (laughs) They were carny organizers. They were the carnies. They were the carnies bosses. Carnivals have different turfs. Like there are different carny mafias. Like what's the what's the? You don't want to step foot on this carnival. No, yeah. uh, no way. Well, no how. Yeah, yeah. It's not like a mafia situation. Um, although my grandpa has told me that like back in the day he stopped doing certain churches and things because like the mafia groups that were there wanted an additional cut and they were already giving a cut to the church, so they were like, no, thank you. And they couldn't come to certain churches if they didn't want to pay like a cut to the local mafia people. The carnivals aren't just setting up anywhere, right? They have a contract and an agreement with a church or a Lions Club or a nonprofit to be in their parking lot for like a week. And then they go to the next one and the church is getting a cut of the ticket sales. So it's, uh, you know, competitive and people are like other carnivals are trying to like sometimes come in and like undercut like, oh, how much are they giving you? Like maybe we'll give you a little bit more percentage of ticket sales or something like that. So it's not like everybody's like buddy buddy. What do you suppose was the thing that really, truly uh, set you on like something you watched, something you read, something you listened to that really set you um, to create the kind of style of comedy you would end up creating? 
Well, I think that um, I was a very like imaginative kid and I always kind of fantasized that I would be an actress, but I was very delusional as a child and I didn't really accept myself as like a character person or a funny person. I wanted to be the leading lady. And then I think I had kind of an abrupt rude awakening as I was like going through puberty that I didn't grow up to be a smoking hot bombshell that would <laughs> uh, shut the, to our listeners shut the fuck she's wrong yeah she, no you're, you're, oh, you're, you're, you're you. gorgeous you're talking about thank and, you and I secondly, appreciate it but you know what I'm like I'm not like the type that would be like the the conventional necessarily it seems like conventional maybe from like a different era of what it was considered conventional whereas now there really is no such thing as convention well now i think that it definitely has opened up a little bit more and i think we've definitely in the last couple of years seen this big change too where industry is looking for people who can make their own content and have their own personas and online stuff coming on that they can kind of build off of. But when I was growing up, it was very much like you have to like fit into like a very specific narrow box. And then also like, as I was growing up, I kind of realized I wouldn't even have wanted to play those roles anyway, because I think I realized a lot of the roles, a lot of the stuff I was seeing for women growing up are looking back pretty sexist um not interesting flimsy parts that people were writing for them and you know I don't judge anyone for taking those parts because that's what was available at the time and that's what made sense but I'm also like kind of thankful in a way because a lot of women like that also get taken advantage of a lot and terrible things happen to them so not to be too much of a downer but I had kind of like had this dream in my mind that had been dead and was sort of like resurrected when I started doing improv again, where I was like, oh, you know what? Maybe I can perform in some way. It's just not the way that I thought originally. the first videos that you were making uh involving comedy there's this uh, video we're gonna listen to in a little bit um from 2009 that might shed some light it was made in 2009 but this is like actually when i wasn't thinking of myself as a comedian so i originally went to undergrad um for television film and i thought i was just going to do stuff in like the background and uh it was getting towards the end of the semester and um I realized that I did not have enough practicum hours, they called it, which was when you were working on your own stuff outside of class. So I kind of scrambled and put this together. People lose things every day. Pens, lighters, socks, skin cells. But certain things leave on purpose. Once the first couple got out, there was no stopping the rest of us. I was especially excited about seeing somewhere new. People need marbles to keep their thoughts in check. I wonder if any of us are still together. I hope the rest of us are happy. I'm doing quite well for myself. So. (laughs) (laughs) So you can't. 
Oh my you God. can't tell. Well, no. I don't know if you can tell what's going on at home, but marbles yes. were literally falling out of someone's head and in an animation and then oh. going on a little adventure. Oh my God. <laughs> I, I did not screen this before watching it because, or before, excuse me, I didn't screen this before we played it. I was not expecting that. I mean, the the, vid, the voiceover is perfect. And then the visuals have so much, to, so, so many questions, so many questions. So I kind of learned to uh, animate in a panic because I didn't have people to get together to make a film for, and I had to make a film. And then I just started talking about marbles falling out of my head and like where the marbles would go to. And um, the voice makes sense for it in hindsight, but the reason that it was like that wasn't some sort of artistic choice. It was just that I was so bad at animating that I couldn't animate for that long. So I needed to speed up the voiceover. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I okay, that's, that's the best answer ever. I was pretty much like a stoner at that time who was not taking school too seriously. And Where'd I you felt go to like I, did, I went to DeSales. It's a small school in uh, Lehigh, Pennsylvania. And I showed it to my mom and she just looked a little bit concerned and then was like, <laughs> I, think you, I think you might be having too much fun at college. <laughs> I have to ask you at what point did you know that this kind of storytelling or any kind of storytelling was really something that you really cared about at all? And was that a discovery you made in college? Well, in high school, I was also not a very good student. Mm -hmm. I was kind of a loner, but one of the few classes that I enjoyed was this TV production class that we got to take. Same. And thank you. <laughs> cool. <laughs> I mean, that was a weird reaction of me to have, but I think you know what I mean. <laughs> I do. I got it. I got the Yeah. And we had this ancient, like ancient for today's times, but at the time was not that old of editing where you were basically had like two VCR tapes that were like in this machine together and you would have to go to like exactly the right point on one VCR tape to print you it on the deck other. to deck editing? That's amazing. Yeah, I did that in high school. So I really had no idea what I wanted to major in. And I wasn't that enthusiastic about education at that point at all. But since I liked that class a lot and I liked watching movies, I was like, oh, maybe, you know, I could do something in the TV film industry. And I had gotten a little bit wise to the idea that it wasn't reasonable to be like, I'm going to be a star. But I still didn't realize how difficult and crazy that industry is, no matter what you want to do in it. And I kind of thought being behind the scenes was like a practical choice. <laughs> People lose things all the time. It's absolutely true. Like even the simplest of things that I shouldn't be losing all the time, I lose constantly. What is the main item in your collection that you replace over and over and over again? Ooh, I lose so many things, but it's hard for me to think of the thing that I replace the most. So I'll just give a most recent thing. Um, I just found a jar of peanut butter that expired in June of 2020 mm. the other day because it was just in a cabinet that I don't like to look in that often. So yeah. I was convinced I didn't have it. And I know I've bought other jars of peanut butter since then and just like put them in other places. But, but, but like lighters <laughs> though, right? Lighters, gum, um, headphones, 
Um, big thing mm-hmm. for me is chapstick. I lose chapstick constantly. Oh, headphones. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And it, with the new like Macs, that. they just keep like eliminating all the little jacks. So yep. now you need like these little adapter wires to plug shit oh, in that you used to be able to just. Yeah. Yeah. So I Evil. keep losing those. Like I'm constantly having a meltdown trying to find out mm. how I can like plug my external hard drive back in because I can't find that stupid adapter <laughs> rachel is there an item that you tend to lose more often than than others you know i was just thinking about that i used to lose shit all the time <laughs> but i don't as much anymore i guess like i don't know i'm kind of looking around my room i guess during like quarantine i haven't lost anything because it's quarantine <laughs> um but i am really good at losing God, I don't know. <laughs> I'm like looking around, like yeah. I, I I feel like I have everything that I need. Yeah, I I think like socks. Yeah, socks are big. Mm. Yeah, they yeah. just kind of disappear. I don't no, know where they go. I found recently that my socks are not disappearing, but they are legitimately getting bitten up by one of the dogs that every now and again comes and visits. So oh. there is legitimate reasoning for why these socks are not getting lost, but getting destroyed constantly <laughs> you telling this specific video at, at the time you did you specifically noted that it was something that was cathartic for you and it meant something more to you than any other bit of art that you'd ever made before and how that seemed to relate to it being very close and personal to you even if that made absolutely no sense to anybody else but you is that fairly accurate i don't know that i would say it was like the most meaningful thing i ever made at that point but i i was proud of it and i normally wasn't proud of stuff i was doing in school and I did think it was amusing at the time and I thought it was like a fun concept that the idea of like losing your marbles in like a literal sense and marbles being parts of your brain and falling out and I felt very like spacey a lot then and I feel very spacey now too even though I'm not smoking I haven't smoked weed in quite a while I still feel very spacey I think it's just my natural brain <laughs> i feel like i feel like that's just sort of naturally part of being human i totally feel you on that but the second thing i wanted to point out was that you had said that oh no and i'm sorry i lost it because it's okay about being spacey wow well done sorry <laughs> you lost your marbles will it's okay oh my god that was it i'm sorry thank you for saying that elon because that reminded me of what it was um but specifically you said how can anyone guess when we finished watching it you said can anyone guess what that was about and it was specifically in reference to something that, that clearly meant something in your life. I think it was mostly just feeling like I was losing my mind a lot and I didn't really know where I was going. Mm-hmm. Um, but I kind of flipped it and made it like a fun thing where you could you can't see this at home, but the marbles go to fun places. One visits Mount Rushmore, one's like hanging out on the beach and... Um, yeah, I don't I don't know. I think it was just like, yeah, feeling a little bit crazy and like I was losing my mind all the time. <laughs> I'll, I'll say this as somebody who later in this hour is going to be sharing uh, a little bit of his college self. Uh, I think you did a, a very good job at uh, exercising those creative juices uh, in a actually I mean, you made argue with this but i would say it's a productive use of your mind versus you know simply just writing in a journal you know from the comfort of one's dorm (laughs) i like how we were all doing wildly different things in college (laughs) (laughs) this is lost and rewound 
on Radio Free Brooklyn. Back in a little bit with our special guest for the hour, Laura Murley. Radio Free Brooklyn's mission is to provide a free and open platform to our community and promote media literacy, education, and free expression. We rely primarily on donations from listeners like you. Every dollar helps us stay on the air. Support independent community media by pledging whatever you can. All contributions are tax-deductible to the fullest extent of the law. Please support with a monthly pledge or one-time donation at radiofreebrooklyn.org slash donate. So during this recording, uh, we normally have very fluid, very present, sleeping bag enveloped people. I don't know. I'm just looking at Laura like enveloped in her sleeping bag and I'm very inspired being like, you know, we're hugging each other uh, and it's all very cool. Um, but then every now and again, someone has to uh, remove themselves from their sleeping bag and go take a pee in the woods. Um, and unfortunately, Will had to uh, take a whiz and uh, he may be back. He may not be back. Um, but in truth, uh, there was some uh, f- uh, unforeseen family emergency that came up uh, during our recording and uh, he may come back. He may not. So uh, we're going to continue on. And uh, as we were uh, teasing in the beginning of the episode, there is uh, very much a, a sort of a through line with all four of us, or now just three of us, in the awkwardness slash uh, angstiness that did permeate in our lives as college students, uh, much less, you know, uh, for Valentine's Day in the relation to the topic at hand. Seems like, uh, Laura, there's a little bit of that angstiness that comes about in this diary entry that you so kindly are sharing with us for this edition of LNR. Yeah, I have a recording for you, and... Uh, some of the the angstiness is just a little bit sad, so I'm kind of like, oh, maybe I should have cut it out. No, but no, it's you'll fine. see. Yeah, no, I feel I feel like I feel like you're setting the bar. So uh, who's gonna be more depressing this hour? No, it, it's it's okay because it's funny. Okay, moving on. Here we are <laughs> reading my diary from 2010 by Laura Murley. I recently found some journal entries back from 2010. Right after college, a lot of my friends were out doing cool stuff. I had moved back in with my parents, and I was very aimless and sad. I worked in a slew of customer service jobs. There was one where I had to answer the phones, and I got so nervous that my voice came out like a little squeak. A customer was just like, I can't hear you. So I said, okay, I'm turning up the volume. Is this better? I was just hitting an imaginary button because we didn't really control the volume on our headsets. They couldn't tell, but the other people in the call center could see what I was doing. I also worked for a while at Borders, a bookstore, former competitor of Barnes & Noble. One day I was at the register. This old man was just like, you're so small I could slather you in butter and you still wouldn't make a full meal. When I hear something above a certain level of creepy, my brain just can't process it. So I was just like, thank you, sir. Will you be using the plus card for your purchases today? My friend Neil was like, well, at least that means he doesn't want to eat you. But I was like, it doesn't mean he doesn't want to eat me. It just means he wouldn't be satisfied afterwards. So anyway, here are some journal entries from that time. They are excerpts. February 9th. 2010, I was 22 years old. Today ended up okay. I was never full on miserable, which was nice. 
Now is a bit late in the night. Tomorrow I think I'm going to my internship in the morning slash afternoon and closing borders at night. At least I waited on the chatting with Pete thing. I'm supposed to go on a date Sunday night, but I don't know if it's actually going to happen or not. He doesn't seem that into me, or at least he's not taking a very active part in planning this. He said he's been super busy, and one of his close friends died recently, so it could just be stress. But I'm afraid I'm pushing things. It's just I'm really, really ready to get somewhere with someone. Chill. Okay, this is a week later. I was still 22. Today was a decent day at work. Everyone was talking about how we're filing for bankruptcy, so I didn't have to worry about the plus card. After work, things actually went downhill. I was in a grazing, parentheses, eating lots of random shit slash unfocused mood, so instead of getting reading or whatnot done, I just watched things I don't really like and got kind of depressed. And this is the third entry. Three months later, May 16th, I was actually 23. Well, I just found out definitively that Pete doesn't want to be in a relationship with me. I feel sad, but I also feel really relieved that I know 100% it's a bad idea to try and amp up the communication slash take pics of us together. Wow. Truly gripping tale. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So... I have, I have like a few thoughts, if that's okay. Yeah. Uh, borders. So did you ever have the coffee milkshake while you worked there? I haven't. That sounds good though. It was amazing. Okay. That was thought number one. <laughs> <laughs> I still think about that coffee milkshake and like when they went out of business, I was like, no. Um, <laughs> second thought is, so like that part where you said that you figured out definitively that you shouldn't be like taking pictures with the guy I find that very relatable I'll leave it at that and then (laughs) (laughs) and then also because I have to say it at some point in the episode I thought that diary entry was very Mm flaming I just was really impressed with how uh well you were able to just like retain the play-by-play like I I feel I was really like absorbed in it Oh, you were? <laughs> the, you. the butter comment. The, the butter comment. The thing comments. that that guy oh. said. <laughs> God, I just got so, army hammer nightmares all of a sudden. So, like, what is... Your, so, this is 2010, right? Mm-hmm. So, if that's the 2010 version of real life slipping into the DMs, like, <laughs> what what kind of DMs are you getting nowadays? Oh, uh, nowadays... I mostly get like complete strangers just saying hi. Yeah. And I used to feel weird answering. I mean, like I had to answer those even though I really didn't want to. Yeah. Because for some reason, just saying hi or how are you if you're a complete stranger is scarier to me than the ones that say something explicitly sexual because at least like I I understand like what their angle is. Like these other ones are almost like, someone knocked on your door and you answer it and they just stare at you yeah that's (laughs) that is exactly what it feels like I'm like so happy to have that description now because that is what that is I find that the dudes who just say hi or hey they do eventually get sexual but I find that those are the guys who are the simps where the ones who were where the ones who are just explicitly sexual like right off the cuff are not simping 
Well, mm. it, it, wouldn't that be in some capacity uh, sort of in lockstep with uh, Dom and sub roles? Because if you're someone who is a simp, then technically you're sort of falling in a more of a sub variety. Whereas if you're just coming out the gate being like, this is what's going down. That's kind of a Dom move, isn't it? I mean, maybe I'm not, I don't I do the shit, so I don't know anything. I, yeah, and I do. And I see where you're going with it. And like the comparison fits, but I don't like it because yeah yeah because well, like so i see where you're going like i don't go think ahead. they're doms i d- i don't think they're necessarily no, no, they doms. are not either i'm just saying like that on face value if that's I what see i where, was yeah doing. i see where you're going with it yes yeah what but i don't understand yeah. the most though is that there are a million dating websites sex websites where it's perfectly acceptable if you're looking to start like chit-chatting with strangers and potentially date them but I don't want that. Like I, I don't, I'm not on the apps because I don't want to be on the apps. And I just don't understand why other people seem compelled to make other apps the app. Yeah. Yeah. That's real. And 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 you know, like honestly, when there was a time when like you put your whole entire life like on a live journal, I never had a live journal. I had a web journal, but I never did like any of the high traffic ones like the Zangas or live journals you know, it's like a call of attention, right? So when like we were putting ourselves out there, you know, having a diary that you're writing in a notebook, like the one you have, Laura, is the antithesis of calling for attention because you specifically put it in a paper notebook that is not like saying, look at me. And then like the minute you open up your heart that immediately invites either wanted attention or unwanted attention. Um, So the whole slipping into DMs uh, certainly happened with plenty of folks uh, being super emotional in their blogs, if you will, when they were web logs and not just blogs. It doesn't make sense why you would be using Instagram as like a way to pick up people that just like are, you know, slipping into Twitter or Instagram. But that happens and it sucks that it has to happen. I, I don't think I have any way of pretty beautifully uh, bow, tying a bow on that because it does not happen to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I have to admit, as much as I don't love like the idea of that, and I'm confused when people message me randomly, I did get together again with um my current boyfriend by like, we kind of reconnected on Instagram. But the thing is, we were friends in real life first and like for a long time and then we sort of just like reconnected and started like chatting again on there but um I so I always just hated online dating in general because I get this like picture in my mind super quickly of what somebody is going to be like and then a lot of times when I see them in person the way they inhabit their body is so different than I'm expecting that I just get really uncomfortable and I've never enjoyed it. Yeah, I've consciously been like, I don't, I'm not interested in just like meeting up with strangers online. Uh, it's it's weird. Yeah. Like, like, yeah, like I've actually gotten my last couple of serious partners off of Tinder actually, but like mm-hmm. most of the time what ends up happening is like, I'll start talking to someone on Tinder and then we'll move to Snapchat and text and whatever. And like, we'll, do really well with each other over text and then we go to meet in person and it's like the most uncomfortable like mismatch ever Mm -hmm. 
yeah, that's how I felt every time, pretty much. There were times where I was like, well, this is going okay. But I never was like, oh, wow, this is going really well. And I think I also am someone who just needs to get used to people in person for a while before I feel romantic feelings for them for the most part. Like every once in a while, I'll just see a person and be like, oh, look at them. But like most of the time, it takes a while, like a buildup of in-person stuff, which online dating isn't really conducive to. It's more conducive to like, we're going to meet up and do stuff. sharing something from high school Rachel no actually we decided to go with the ones um like starting into college got you yeah my my entries are based in college I know it's not that long ago but like they are you know it hey I'm I'm sharing college stuff it's valid yeah but like that was longer ago for you (laughs) no but it's it's look it's frame of mind it we're 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 fighting the through line it's 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 definitely lost and rewound um style like definitely this is something that like even though it wasn't that long ago it may as well have been look, that look, long ago we we're always rewriting this the script here it's fine we honestly yeah. like we, <laughs> we we knew going into this what we were gonna do and now here we are we're like we don't know what's actually happening but we All do the content is more than three years old sure so yeah. for, for you my dear that is valid so what is your ballad that was just me being silly with my rhymes. Don't yeah, worry. I had no idea what to do with that. <laughs> well, it, it, it is a little bit of a ballad. No, you've got a c- couple of uh, poems that might be slightly uh, less funny, but still very oh. on point with the Valentine's Day angsty theme. Yeah. Okay. Oh, so we're going into my poem readings now? Yeah. 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 We're going to. Oh, I, I, okay. Don't worry about me. I, I'm going last. Oh, my God. I can't believe we're doing this. Um. So uh, yeah, it's happening. So, do you want me to like set the stage or do you want me to just go into it? Well, um, you're reading how many, first of all? There are three poems. The first one is March 7th, 2016, but the third one is August 22nd, 2017. Okay. But they're all about the same person. Perfect. March 7th, 2016, uh, my age would have been 18. um, And the title is Breathy Love. And... um, so it goes, your breaths are like waves that go round and round, like waves in the ocean that always come back to love me. This was in the stage where we were very much in love. Very lost in that love. Uh, poem two, July 23rd, 2016, around the time of this person's birthday. Um, I was still 18. It's called uh, Puke in My Despair. (laughs) Do you ever see something so beautiful that you can't help but stare? You want to puke, but nothing's there. You never think you'll experience it again. The beauty is too good to be true. Do you stop to appreciate how it got there? How everything in the universe had to add up to make the majesty? 
The winter comes to destroy it all, the sky a pit of despair. A gentle day comes, the beauty seems to be lurking, but the night angrily and quickly arrives, and a storm blows away all the joy. Okay. <laughs> yeah, we see we see what's going on there. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna <laughs> keep this lock and key and continue on with the third one. Okay. So August twenty second, twenty seventeen. This was two days before my twentieth birthday. It's called "My Love Is Not Dead." Uh, <laughs> yeah. Our love never vanished, and now I wait, dreading the time, trying to be patient, but I can't. All the lost time doesn't matter when we can be forever. Laura, what went through your head uh, hearing these three uh, back, uh, back to back to back? It seems like you were, yeah, you were deeply in love, which you you gave, you said, I think, at the for the first one, and then I'm guessing you guys had a big fight, but then you got back together before the third one. Is that true? it's so complicated like so like we were on again off again but we were only ever officially public for a short period of time um so yeah the first one we were very much together the second one was like a couple of months after we had broken up but like we were still together in a lot of ways and then I went back to college. I kind of moved on a little bit, but never, not really. And like got a different partner. And then um, after we broke up, then he and I sort of got back together again, uh, but not really, which is why I said like our love never vanished. And now I wait, but then like it never materialized into something more serious ever again. So this is someone who like lived in your hometown that you were with and then what wasn't near like where you were going to college. yeah, I was going to say, well, like, was it someone that you met in college? Yeah, so, like, my I came home for Christmas break. I went to school in South Carolina, and then I came back to New Jersey during Christmas break 2015. And I went on Tinder and matched with this dude who is not from my hometown, but he is from New Jersey. And then we were together long distance for a little bit. And then every time I would come home we would sort of like reconnect and then like there would be this promise that we're going to get back together. And then it's, and then we wouldn't because he was manipulative and I was young and impressionable. (laughs) He, there was an age difference. There, there was definitely an age difference in this relationship. Uh, Do you feel comfortable going on record to uh, specify what kind of age difference that is? Yeah, it was. Yeah. I mean, we met after I was 18. Um, when we met, I was 18 and he was, I want to say 25, 26. Mm-hmm. So not that huge of an age difference, but um, at the time it, it felt bigger. Mindset wise, that's huge though. Cause yeah. like you, yeah. you can't even buy a legal drink and you've just sort of started experiencing life on your own and yeah. they've like gone through college if they've gone through college or been working for a long time. And yeah. The other thing about this person is he took my virginity Valentine's day, 2016. And so that's one of the reasons that it fit into this episode very well. Yeah. Um, so here I was like young and inexperienced in that way. And here was this like hot older dude who I was like madly in love with. But honestly, like the age part of it wasn't 
that big of a thing. Like I've yeah. never really thought that much of it. Storms and floods and lots of like water, a lot of water, a lot of water happening in these poems. It's very tumultuous. Got to get get a better escape hatch so that you're not getting puked on or, or hit with too much water. <laughs> Did you ever I've share these poems that. with him? No, the only poem, there is one poem that he knows about, but I wrote that like shortly after we first got together. I don't think he's ever seen any of these. There's like a few more, like I went through kind of a crazy period because we were like so inconsistently on and off. At one point he had said he was in a pit of despair until he met me. Oh dear. Yeah. Okay. Which is a red flag. Um, <laughs> I was yeah. 18. What can I, I get say? you? Yeah, no, yeah. yeah. I, I would have thought that was very sweet at the time also. senior year of college, I became obsessed with a woman whom I met in a chat room. And it was a chat room connected to a site called bolt.com, a site that does not exist anymore. And it was a very short-lived pre-social media. Everybody went to hang out and chat with everybody that they didn't know, but wanted to know. So it was very much like a lot of uh, you know, co-eds, as far as I'm concerned, from around the country that I could maybe get a chance to meet and know. And uh, one of them lived in South Dakota. And I, to this day, never met them. Um, but I became very much into this woman whom I would meet, you know, I originally was chatting with. I, you know, saw her photos. It was actually her, thank goodness. <laughs> so it wasn't like I was catfished, but like we would chat on the phone a lot. She was a year ahead of me, maybe. So whereas like I was like 21, 22, she was around 22, 23. Um, but we chatted all the time. And it got to a point where I was so obsessed with her that I did not hold anything back. And I would talk about her so freely in a particular uh, era of my life in this time when I was a senior in college in a blog that I kept. February 13th, 2005. I have not and will never give up. My love is too fucking consuming. So consuming that it's almost passed over me and stayed in the back of my mind like a reservoir, waiting for the dam to collapse any day now. I don't know how long it's going to stay, but I've done pretty well for the past month with my resilience. But I really want to go on an adventure. I need to let her know. I had a weird dream the other night that involved life-sized crayons that talked. But that's not what's important. She, my love, was also in the dream. She had come to visit me finally after all this time of no talking. I brought her in close and embraced her. I got lost in her eyes. And then the dream got hazy. I ain't making that shit up. Believe it. For me, I've never had a very fulfilling V-Day after high school. And that is an important distinction because at the time it was okay. V-Day has been depressing. And only during college was I able to adapt to that mentality that this stupid holiday is not as superficial as, say, having a loved one to be with. Thing is, I finally have something, and yet I don't have it. Marissa... I hope you don't mind if I single you out here, 
I couldn't help but mention my feelings about your recent live journal post concerning how people should go about V-Day. I completely agree with you. People who hate the holiday should be celebrating the concept of love, embracing the positive ideology, and throwing away the legend's brutal underwritings. Because that's just silly. It's like the shrinks that can solve your problems except their own. I've always had a knack for being a good listener and being able to offer people the best and most sound advice I can muster. At the end of the day, though, I can't follow it myself. And in this instance, I don't hate the holiday. No, I'm just really depressed. There is no one out there, even if I tried, that I feel stronger feelings for. I have no qualms about the kind of tone that I kept in that entry. But when I read that, I'm just like, my God, dude, you haven't even met this person. Like, why are you, <laughs> why are you getting like so worked up over someone that you've never met? And it goes much of what you were saying before, like folks are pining after you and you've never met them. And there's just no reason for them to be doing this because it's it just there's no reality to it. And there was a time where like you could just suck yourself into a fantasy and allow that to be your reality. And it's dangerous. It's it's a dangerous place to be. And I put myself there. Yeah. But. And it sounded like you were um, let me know if this is an incorrect assumption, but it sounded like you were in one of those uh, relationships <laughs> where you were expecting her to read this and wanted her to read it and then oh expecting that she was going to write something on hers that was like, you know, kind of passive aggressive and then you'd get to read that. Oh my God, best believe there was some passive aggressiveness, some like subtweeting, I guess is what they call it now, where like you're just sort of talking like you know what you're talking about and you're hoping that somebody else knows what you're talking about, but they may not necessarily. How does your infatuation for this person on the internet back then compare to your real life experience now? I think there was a time where I wanted, as I said in this entry, to go on an adventure. And I think this whole idea of escaping the place that I was in mentally and physically and emotionally uh, was so attractive that I would be willing to see whom was out there that was the outlet to get away from it all. Would you say then that at this point, in the relationship that you're in, it's more about being in the present wherever you are than some distant fantasy of escape. Totally. Being in college and trying to be present in order to, I don't, I don't know, fucking graduate and not disappoint your parents profusely. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, like you're always in a place where you'd have to ground yourself. And I made so many mistakes in college. I mean, it's my senior year of college was a goddamn mess. If people's outside influences were what did me in to make my junior year so depressing, I did it all my senior year. I, I had no one else to blame myself, self-sabotaging myself at every turn with regards to friendships, relationships, and just, you know, continuing to be a dickhead on the internet. Uh, and so, I mean, eventually you realize, oh, you know, reality is kind of a little bit more chill than fantasy. <laughs> you know what? That's true. This woman lived in a state that you will never visit does she exist she probably does but she knows better than to be on the internet because she spent probably far too much of her 20s doing the same exact thing i was doing and then scrubbing herself righteously forevermore to never be seen again has it ever happened to you guys where like you have been in touch with somebody and then they just disappear like yes. they remove their themselves entirely from yes. existence 
Yeah, that game, that online game that Will and I used to play, like I had at least one friend who we were pretty close. We used to text each other. One day she just disappeared and I still think about her sometimes and I'm like, is she okay? Like what in the hell happened? Because like she was not always okay when I knew her. And then for her to just completely ghost and then never reappear, I still think about her. I haven't had friends before that I just knew online, but um, I sort of did that myself in that right after college, I was so bummed out about just like not being near any of my friends and not doing well and just seeing pictures of people doing well on Facebook and stuff that I just deleted all my social media. I didn't get back on social media for five years until I started doing comedy and people were like, well, you need to make Facebook events for comedy. And then it was like, well, you need to have an Instagram or you need to have a Twitter. You need to have this, you need to have that. But like, yeah, for like five years, I think I essentially ghosted a lot of acquaintances because anyone who wasn't in contact with me over text was just no longer in contact with me for my own mental health. If I wasn't doing comedy, I would delete all my social media again and just never have it. But it is incredibly useful for me now to be able to like put my stuff out there without having to go through some sort of gatekeeper who's like, I'm begging to like, let me in and give me a chance. Um, I'm like kind of addicted to it now in sort of an unhealthy way. So I'm always trying to figure out like, okay, how do we establish more like personal boundaries and things? Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) I happen to take a somewhat unpopular stance with this. I love social media. Um, I think it has the potential to be very dangerous and it is terribly mentally unhealthy for a lot of people. There are definitely some people out there now who are like, it's pure evil. And it's one of those things that, well, if it wasn't doing anyone any good, people would just leave it. It is serving some sort of a purpose in people's lives. And that's why they're on it. Yeah, like the whole (laughs) boundaries thing. As much as I love that people can get in touch with me, there's this expectation that's grown over the last 10 or so years of social media that if somebody DMs you, you are expected to drop everything and respond immediately. And when I'm, you know, not busy and have the capacity for that, sure, people get really up in arms when you don't respond immediately. And and like, I hate the read receipts, especially like on Facebook Messenger. Like sometimes I want to open the message just to get the notification out of the way, but I'm like not in a good space to respond. And, yeah. But like people can see that you saw it and it's very uncomfortable. I am, yeah, I, I hate yeah. that too, especially because sometimes uh, someone's asking you a question that you need to think about for a sec or you need to like, check if you're free or something and as I'm saying this I'm thinking well I guess I could just respond I'll check and get back to you later but yeah I don't know why that seems like such an arduous thing for me to do at the time no it does though yeah yeah (laughs) you've embraced the social media now you're on TikTok tell us yeah I love TikTok how long have you been doing the tick and talking for 
I got into it over the pandemic because I just needed another thing to do. And it took me a while to understand what was going on. I accidentally created an account that I couldn't figure out how to delete for a bit. And then I really got into it like a couple months ago where I've just been posting constantly. And it's a lot of fun. It's like, there's so many interesting like features on the app. It's really different from any other social media that I've ever been on. And I think that the algorithm is a friend of mine in a way. That's <laughs> I awesome. love a good algorithm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Instagram, Twitter, or TikTok, you could be found at one of the most brilliant screen names I have ever heard <laughs> in my entire existence on this earth. And it's passive abrasive. Thank you. <laughs> I'm buttering you up because um, um, didn't we we bring up butter earlier? Oh no, no, oh, we yeah, can't we bring did, it. we can't yeah. bring that up again. Sorry, In a bad way. <laughs> that was a bad. That was bad. Sorry, bad did, butter. Did, did, did not mean to make that kind of a callback. I will. Uh, I will. I will re- recant you my statement. Eat me? <laughs> I do not. I am not Army Hammer. Okay. I have nothing to do with that weirdo. My kinks are much more vanilla than that. Um, Mine aren't. <laughs> Laura Murley has been our guest for this special Valentine's Day edition of Lost and Rewound. Uh, Laura, uh, you're a good sport. Thank you so much for doing this with us this week. Thank you. This was really fun. And thank you, Rachel Teichman. Thank you, Alon, for this honor. This has been episode 245 of Lost and Rewound. Be sure to check out the archives on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or at our main hub. That's RadioFreeBrooklyn.org slash LAR. Love yourself. And also, if you do love yourself, wear a fucking mask. Keep distance from people. Stay safe and healthy and warm if you can. My name is Alon Danziger for Lost and Rewound signing off. We'll catch you here next week. Ta-ta. Bye. I'll come in entirely on my phone because normally that is good. So let's see if that works. Sounds good. Laura didn't return for the rest. Shut up! Shut up! <laughs>